Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Brian Adams today. Brian is an amazing individual, super wealth of knowledge and absolutely has a depth of experience that I think that Elevate Nation that you guys are going to learn from that I'm excited to learn from today. So super excited about having a great conversation with Brian. But until we get there, I want to ask you a question and I want to welcome you back because really it's time to take it to another level. So I have to ask you, are you ready to take it to another level? I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And as you know, we will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, systems, tools, the strategies, and so much more from an individual like Brian Adams so that you can elevate to a life without limits yourself or even more. Guess what? There's more. There's always more available to us. And, and this is absolutely a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real, through personal growth, real estate investing, other ventures, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. And if you appreciate what our team and I are doing, be sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating and leave a review of specifically what are you taking away from the show. And with all that said, I want to introduce you to Brian Adams. Brian is the president and founder of Excelsior Capital, where he spearheads the investor relations and capital markets arm of the firm. He has 10 years of experience in real estate private equity and has an advanced knowledge and best practices for strategic real estate investing. Prior to forming Excelsior Capital, Brian co-founded Prium Properties, an institutional real estate private equity sponsor in 2010 and provided leadership and direction for the firm in connection with capital markets, investment management, and investor relations. He has served on the board of Serum Partners LP, a single family office investing across private and public assets since uh, May 2008. And since May of 2017, he has served in the investment committee for Solidus LP, an early stage venture capital firm uh, focused on investment opportunities in healthcare and technology. From January of 2016 to 2018, he served as a member of the board of NextGen Advisory Faculty for the Institute of Private Investors slash Camden, a program designed to support next generation family members in preparing the following generation for the responsibility of being a steward of family wealth. He has also served on the advisory committee for the Southeastern Family Office Forum since December of 2016. And Brian is also a former practicing attorney. I think he calls himself a recovering attorney, which I think is hilarious, uh, earning his JD from Suffolk University and his BA from Wesleyan University with honors. And so with all that said, I want to welcome Brian and I want to, uh, I want to invite you to enjoy this wide ranging and insightful conversation with Brian Adams. Brian, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Hey, let's, let's bring that fine to great. How okay. about that? What, what, okay. what can we do here today? We were talking, I will say, this is a great way to get on the good vibes with me as we start talking about Kentucky sports, Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball. Big Blue Nation is in the house today. So thank you for that. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great conversation. What do you say? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm married into a Vanderbilt family, but that is from Louisville and Lexington. My wife is actually born in Lexington. So we are true Vanderbilt fans in that, you know, we show up for the tailgate, but when it comes to basketball season, we like to actually see winners. So we, <laughs> we root for the UK. <laughs> I hear you. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, you know, with the Kentucky basketball fans, you hear a lot of folks until, until Kentucky football gets good. A lot of the folks will say, Hey, you know, I really like Alabama though, uh, in football. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, me too. Of course. I mean, and also the New York Yankees. I mean, let's, right. let's, let's do this. Uh, but yeah, I love it. I love it. And, uh, no, I'm excited to have a great conversation with you, Brian. And, um, thanks again for being on the show. One thing I'm curious about, you know, we talked about, you know, just sort of your bio and, and, and who you are from, from a professional perspective, but tell us a little bit more about yourself behind the bio. Like, who are you as a man? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, honestly, to kind of tie into the conversation about the business, um, it's been a real challenge. I think we're going to go kind of off script here, but I'm 38. And there definitely is a generation of millennial white men who I think were never given the education or the vocabulary to talk about ideally what they hope to become one day as men. And so it's very difficult to separate out your identity as a business person and your identity, identity as a person. Mm. And I, I think that's really important to make sure that you do not put all of your value and consideration into the business. I think it's important to work hard. And I, I think it's great to have aspirations and dreams, but I've seen a lot of burnout and flame out amongst a generation of people that put all their chips and identity into their professional um, visage and when that goes away or it falls apart or when you're like my dad who's a 67 year old attorney that's been grinding his whole life he's terrified of what comes next uh, because I don't think he understands ultimately who he is as a person because his identity has been as an attorney that's what he does 12 hours a day every day um, so I don't know how to answer your question today but I think it's the right question to ask. Yeah, I appreciate that very, very much because, you know, I think a lot of us, and, and when I say us, I mean, you know, the folks that are listening to this conversation, the folks that engage in these type of conversations, you know, they're driven for achievement. They're driven for a greater future. And, you know, a lot of times we do get wrapped up in that achievement and in, th in the process and, you know, in sort of tying our identity to our work. And it's so interesting because, you know, the first question that someone asks you when they meet you initially is, hey, what did you do? And the original thought process behind that is, you know, we are what we do. And it's really interesting is when you sort of shed that identity a bit. And I, I found it to be fascinating what you just mentioned there about, you know, how many, you know, younger, perhaps millennials maybe were never taught to have an identity outside of their vocation. Uh, I wonder why that is. I don't know if that's, I, I don't know if we could really uncover that today in our conversation, but you know, do you ask yourself that question of who am I outside of my profession and, and my ambitions from that perspective, you know, frequently, or is this still a conversation that you're having with yourself as well? Yeah, it was really a journey that it went on about a year and a half ago. Um, and frankly, it was during a period of time where my business was struggling. 
not from a fundamental portfolio standpoint, but from an investor relations communication standpoint, I let the deals run the business as opposed to the business run the deals, which is a whole different conversation we can have. But it made me really think, okay, well, and Deepak Chopra talks about this a lot. Like what, not who am I, but what am I and where am I going? Like where, where does this journey lead to? Because, you know, ultimately we're just worm food and that's just, that's just the reality. And so I spend a lot of time trying to self-reflect on, okay, I want to work hard. I want to have a successful business. I want to make money and I want it to be financially incented to my investors as well, but that can't be the sum of who I am. Mm. And, and I've seen a lot of people who, when that dream ends on their terms or not, they've never spent any time self-reflecting on wh- what they are and where they want to go on this journey. Yeah. And I, 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 so no, that's please. what I think about it. Yeah. Please continue. I, I apologize. Go ahead. No, it's just that it's scary, right? Because I think oftentimes we spend all this energy and, and, and every day running around trying to do these tasks and errands and we have these dreams. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, we all try to create these edifices to our glory, but it's all going to go away. Right. We, we build these sandcastles just to watch the tides come in and take it all away. Hmm. So there has to be something more in my opinion. Otherwise you'll go crazy. Man, this is such an important discussion. It is such an important, I mean, there, there, there's probably not a more important thing to discuss. And, and, you know, what I've found through my failures and through the stresses and through the challenges and through those times that have really made me introspectively look within have been the greatest blessings uh, within my life and within my professional trajectory. And I've learned that, you know, it is a spiritual journey and really to create purpose and to create outcomes in business, you've got to tie in the spiritual journey uh, or, or it's for not right. Or what is it really worth? And so I think it's such a powerful way to really begin our conversation today is to recognize, you know, well, what is it all for? And what is the purpose? What is the purpose behind what we're doing? Is it to create, you know, wealth here and now or for other people around us, which is all, these are all great things, but what's the outcome? What's the true outcome? I know I, know I was talking to a coaching client recently, and we we're talking about, you know, financial freedom, financial abundance. And, you know, the question is why, you know, for what? And, you know, you have to go deep on that question and you have to really introspectively look within. So it sounds like that's a practice that you're sort of undergoing yourself is, is continuing that depth, that interview, right, of yourself to explore. And it, I don't know about you, but it's, it's endless uh, in terms of that exploration, would you say? Yeah, we, we, I think we all have a tendency, especially white males, to get caught up in the busy trap of, of it's a red badge of courage where you can compare me to you, how hard we work, how many hours we work, how many flights we take, how many deals we do. But what I found is that oftentimes the motivation and the driver for that is because you're afraid of the existential reality that we are all going to die. Mm. And the busier you stay, the more you can push away that thought 
But I found that if you reflect on it every day and you can come to terms with that, that, that endpoint, I think it just gives you better perspective on, on how you spend your time and the mindset of how you spend your time. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety. Our team, including yours truly, leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. To learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. It sounds like you've got sort of like a stoic sort of perspective to a, to a large degree, which I think there's certainly a lot of value in recognizing that death is a reality and, you know, connecting to what's, what's possible thereafter is probably the next step. But, you know, that's certainly out of my realm of expertise, but I continue to explore myself and I find it to be fascinating. You know, I read a book a few years ago, actually, no, I think it was about a year ago called Positive Intelligence. And one of the things he talks about in that book are the saboteurs uh, that we all sort of, you know, have, you know, whether it's the judge saboteur, we all have the judge within our mind. It's a gremlin that wants to take over your ego and tell you that, you know, either yourself or someone else, you know, is totally screwing up in everything that they do. And, you know, one of the other saboteurs that he talks about in there is the hyper achiever. And I really aligned with that because I recognize that my hyper achiever is really, you know, it's taking over and trying to drive the bus. And if I don't, if I'm not careful, if I'm not aware of that, you know, I can be taken over by this, this gremlin. So, I mean, have you recognized that in yourself as well? It sounds like you have. Yeah. I, mean, I think there was definitely a period of time early in my career where, you know, I had put forth a bunch of personal goals, which I think is healthy. And it's, you know, it was a, it was a sad day when I was in my early to mid thirties and I achieved a lot of those goals and it didn't change anything, right? I mean, you still feel, you know, go through periods of time where you feel depressed, periods of time where you have some self-hatred, period of times where you have anxiety. And just because you had attained some of these material goals that you thought, man, once, once I do that, like once, once I arrived at that destination, everything's going to be good. It, it's even, it, it was even some of the, most sad times of my life because I thought, well, nothing's really changed. I just have more stuff or I have this house, but it doesn't change how I think every day and how my emotions play out. And so I think that is what turned me onto this journey of, okay, well, there must be more here. Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, one thing that I, I find to be fascinating, at least for myself, is that I've learned that my happiness and my satisfaction, my fulfillment comes through growth and contribution. It comes through, you know, overcoming challenges and pushing my limits and expanding my own capacity and connecting with other people like yourself and giving and giving to the audience here with Elevate and giving to the people that we serve, whether it's 
through acquisitions or through executing a business plan, you know, on an asset or, you know, offering those wealth creation opportunities. And so I feel like the whole process of growth as well as contributing to others and finding, you know, greater ways to contribute outside of myself has really been the key to my own fulfillment and happiness. But is there anything else that you would point to that you've, you've discovered along this path as well? Yeah. I mean, I think coming to terms with the concept that I'm a salesperson and that I have a product and I like to sell it and I'm good at selling it. And to your point, where I found a lot of satisfaction over the last two years is just helping people be better at sales. Right. And I got a call today from a prop tech vendor that is a competitor of the one that we use. And I just, he's a younger person. I just got the phone with him before this. And I said, listen, you, you have all the right tools and you, I looked up your resume. You're an impressive person. He had served the Marine Corps. He'd done everything right. And he works at a good firm. But I said, I got to tell you, your, your pitch is terrible. <laughs> You're going about this the entirely wrong way. And he was trying to do an apples to apples comparison about how they were a, a, you know, a cheaper version. I said, do not devalue your that value proposition is terrible. Don't come out the gate that way get a yes out of me early and let's just talk about addressing my problems because ultimately the end consumer only cares about how you can help them. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about your resume. Nobody cares about what your firm does or how great they are. Talk about me. Like take care of, take care of my problems and make my life easier and your sales process will go a lot smoother. Yeah. No, that's. So we just had a nice 20 minute conversation like that and I gave him some ideas and thoughts about how he could kick it up the chain and, you know, maybe provide a little bit more value than just pick up the phone and calling me. But that kind of thing, you know, I sent him some collateral, some podcasts that I like to listen to and some books and that kind of thing. And if he goes on to have a great career in sales, I just made a really big difference in one person's life. Right. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I enjoy doing now. Um, Obviously I've got to work on my business, but you know, I, I think that's, part of the reason that I'm here is, um, is to just help other people at this point in my career. Yeah. I love that. And, um, you know, that, that, that whole situation strikes me as I hope that that other individual saw that from a, you know, full perspective and not, wasn't getting defensive because there's times where it's like, Hey, how could you attack me? And how could you attack? Because we tie our identity to our vocation. And when someone attacks our approach, you know, the first response is, okay, my heart is now elevating and I can't believe this person is attacking me. It's fight or flight. It's survival. It's all of these things. And so, you know, I guess the, the, the takeaway for many of the listeners, in addition to obviously recognizing how can you contribute, how can you, you know, achieve fulfillment in your activity beyond sort of your profession is, you know, how can I be humble and accept correction, accept, you know, direction from other people who may be just genuinely willing to help me, right? I mean, is there anything you'd add to that, Brian? Yeah, and I think that's a really important distinction to make. It's being vulnerable, to, and having, not to be cliche, but having a growth mindset. So that vulnerability, focus on growth. And you don't have to be mean-spirited about it, but you can, you can give people critical feedback here. I mean, this is what we're doing. It's an iterative process. And unless you're getting no's, and unless you're getting people and mentors telling you, you can do better, I mean, what are we, you're just skating by, right? And, and yeah. that's, 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 not, that's not self-improvement. And it won't make you a better manager or leader. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you need to be very open to that. And if COVID has taught me nothing else, you need to constantly be rethinking how you're conducting your business because, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been doing the ground and pound coffee meeting, lunches, conferences, plane. And then all of a sudden one day it all went away. And so I just started calling my network of sponsors and GPs and other people in the business and said, what do you think I should do? Like, how's this going to work? And I started going way out on my comfort zone and started being a guest on podcasts, doing webinars, writing blog pieces, posting on LinkedIn, which I never would have done. And it's opened up so many doors for me. And I've gotten to meet so many cool people like you and others who now they're part of my network and we can all help each other. I think just being open-minded like that, you'll really see some big differences in how you conduct your business and, and how you think about your business too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it is really interesting to see how many, many folks are adapting, pivoting, and perhaps even opening themselves up for greater opportunities through this type of disruption. And the question is, what's the next disruption, right? I mean, what, what is next and what, what will we be required to pivot to next? And so having that growth mindset and that abundance mindset to recognize that, you know, any challenge is actually a a blessing for a greater opportunity, I think is so powerful. And it's obviously, you know, apparent that you embody that growth mindset and everything that you do, but, you know, obviously you've got a realm of expertise and a realm of experience that lends itself to, you know, a a lot of introspection that we need to really dig into that I think is powerful. And not only thinking about the current market cycle that we're in today, but also what we're potentially entering into tomorrow. Everybody's looking for opportunities, right? Everybody's looking for, you know, capital preservation as well as capital accumulation. And we all know that there's a practical means behind that. And, And it's very powerful to start off with the spiritual part of the conversation and then digging into some of the practicality and the tactics. And so, you know, obviously one of the things that I know that you are an expert in is really, you know, co-investment structures, you know, with RIAs, with family offices, with other institutional groups. So maybe give us a little bit of an insight of how you're, how you're approaching that type of uh, structure for your new endeavors now, as well as into the next part of the market cycle here. Yeah. So I initially started my career raising funds, small, non-institutional, but kind of blind, pool, commingled funds. And it just, in my opinion, is the wrong structure for individuals and families for the most part. It's, it's complicated. It's hard to pitch a blind fund vehicle. Um, it's hard for investors to understand a capital cost structure versus just a 10-year timeline of how the J-curve is going to work. I just think it's, it's an inefficient vehicle. And so we pivoted probably six years ago to doing purely direct co-investment syndication on a deal-by-deal basis. And part of the journey there was instead of me being the classical <laughs> alpha male, knowing that I've got a great deal and that I've got a good team and that I'm smart and kind of cramming that product down people's throats and telling them like, this is what you need. You should do this. I spent some time actually listening to what they wanted and being empathetic towards their needs and their fears and trying to mold the product offering as well as the investor experience to meet those needs and to address those fears. And we really simplified things to 
capital preservation, passive income production, and deriving all that we could out of the tax benefits that come from direct real estate ownership. And when, once we did that and, and came at the business from that perspective, the conversations all flowed very smoothly. And it's not for everybody. And we know exactly the niche audience that we talk to, but we're aligned very well there from a management perspective and a GP perspective and our LPs. And that was a big game changer for us as a business. I find it to be so um, fascinating that the conversation that you had with the salesperson earlier is so similar to what you just described. It's about understanding perspective. It's about, you know, rather than me telling you what I think you should have and, and need, you know, how about I listen to you and I take a little bit of time and recognize that. So talk to me about the strategy there and the approach. I mean, how did you, how did you go through that process? I mean, did you literally hold town halls? I mean, how did this go and, and how did you apply that? where you are now yeah i mean i was lucky to have a network of of individuals and families that are were willing to bring me in and i kind of instead of telling them about what i was doing i kind of went on a mini road show and that's what i suggested to this salesperson go on kind of a a, an emotional road show (laughs) and people that are willing to talk just say listen you know what i do i'm not going to make a sales pitch to you but I'd like 10 minutes and talk to me about the biggest frustrations you have investing in commercial real estate. Like what are the things that drive you crazy? What are the things that you see across management team, across sponsors? And if you had a magic wand and you could paint me a picture of what the ideal investment would look like soup to nuts, right? From the start to the vehicle, to the economics, to the end game, and then what that experience would feel like for you. And then just try to replicate that. I mean, it sounds, I don't want to be cavalier, but I think so few GPs and sponsors think in that fashion. And I think it would really help accelerate their businesses quite a lot if they could just be a little bit more empathetic and, and actually listen to their, to their logical network, right? I think that's also a big thing is to be realistic about who's going to take your call. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, institutional LPs are not going to take my call. Right. So I think understanding your target market and what that market wants and then fashioning your company and product offering around that, um, I think it would make the capital raising process and the investor relations process a lot easier for people. Mm. It seems like you've had a little bit of like an enlightenment process uh, recently or maybe over the past few years to just (laughs) just shift from that, you know, sort of the alpha male type of thing. And, you know, our our industry is absolutely dominated by many folks that visualize themselves as the alpha male or even the alpha female in many capacities. And it's, it's really interesting and it is refreshing to, to, to learn about the empathetic approach that you have. And it's almost like slowing down to speed up. Would you, would you agree to that? Yeah. And, and I think going from, for me, it was a big shift to go from, Oh, I've got this great company and the secret sauce. I don't want to give away my, my, you know, internal um, uh, knowledge that I've accrued over the last few years and I just started giving it away. Like anybody who wants to, and I've been doing this on podcasts and saying, Hey, if you are a aspiring sponsor or you want to talk to me anonymously as a GP, 
DM me and you might get what you pay for because it's free advice, but I will <laughs> tell you all the mistakes I've made. I will tell you what my opinion is on how to do this the right way. But yeah, I mean, I think just providing as much free content and just being a resource and just trying to help as many people as you can, it will always come back. It might take some time. You might have better near-term gains if you play the, you know, I know what I'm doing and I'm really smart and I'm going to do this. Like near-term, that might work. But if you want a career that spans 25, 35, 45 years, it's a really hard way to do business in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. And it's, and it's just a more sustainable and much, much more enjoyable way to do business when you approach it from the abundance mindset and the fact that, you know, when you give more, everyone wins, you know, and it's not like you're, you're giving away a piece of your pie, you know, your pie can grow. And, you know, that's one of the most beautiful things about real estate, I believe, is that we can all collaborate together. We don't necessarily have to compete and it's not, you know, win or lose black or white zero sum game. I think we can all lift each other up and that's what elevates all about. You know, it's about growing, you know, for yourself as well as, as others. So I just honor that. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about some mistakes. I mean, you talked about giving away free advice and obviously, you know, people are, are engaging in a bit of a virtual mentorship here. So let's talk about that. I mean, talk to me about, you know, if there's any, if there's any big mistakes that come to mind over your journey that you point to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we have enough time, but <laughs> we can certainly try to, to chip away at it. Um, a big one is, um, there are two different things when you're starting a real estate syndication firm. There are the deals, like the dirt and the real estate has to work and you've got to know what you're doing there. But I think more importantly, you've got to realize that you are starting a small business. And when you're asking somebody for their resources, their money to give to you, they're taking two risks. One risk is that you know what you're doing on the real estate side. The other risk is they're investing in a small business startup with all of these things that have to be done properly that really have nothing to do with the real estate side. Mm. And I did not appreciate the amount of time, money, or energy it would take to run the business as opposed to the real estate deals. And we became total deal junkies. We were acquiring and things were going decently well, but we did not pay attention to the investor relations, communications, uh, business development. All of those things got pushed to the wayside and it almost killed the business, frankly, because um, we grew really fast because I think I understood how to pitch and I was giving people what they wanted, but not the way they wanted it. So I would really take a hard look at, you know, the infrastructure required to run a small business in the real estate world um, and understand that it's not always going to be how you want to spend your day, <laughs> but it ultimately will be how you become more successful. And it's always easier to get a current investor to re-up with you or open up their Rolodex than it is to bring on a brand new prospect that just is what it is. And so it will make your business grow more organically, but you've got to appreciate that it's going to take time, money, and energy to have a 24-7, 365 investor portal that's really top-notch, to have reporting that's just outstandingly good, 
to make sure that K1s get down on time. <laughs> to have a controller with a tax background internally who works for you, that is really important. Um, all of these things make a big difference, but they really have nothing to do with, can you do a multifamily value add deal? <laughs> right. But I think they're actually more important in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. I, that was a huge mistake I made. No, that's huge. And you know, it, the, the glamor is in doing the deals, right? It's in, in the closings, it's in the acquisitions, it's in the exits and you know, all the, all the big things that everyone loves to point to, but really what it all comes down to is execution, right? If you can't, you know, manage an asset, if you can't manage a team and lead a team and, you know, execute on your vision, what is it all for? And, you know, as you mentioned, I think it's so important to recognize that this is a referral business and it's a repeat business. That's the only way to achieve lasting success. And one of my, one of my favorite sayings and favorite quotes is if it's sustainable, it's, it is successful. And if it's not, you know, it's, it's not. And, and really, I, I appreciate you giving us some humility there and showing us a look behind the curtain in terms of, you know, that mistake and, and recognizing that that wasn't a sustainable way to run your business or run your life. And, you know, this is a vehicle for creating outcomes that we want in our life and who wants to live in that world. So what can you do to invest appropriately and understand that it is all about execution. It is about having the right technology team, team tools, systems, all of these things on your side. So let's talk about strategy now, obviously, in terms of what we're seeing in the current environment, you know, we get caught in our bubble, we get caught in our, our wind tunnel here and say, all right, well, you know, what's going on right now may last for, you know, the next year, or the next two years. And, you know, but we also have to simultaneously step above that and recognize that maybe that's not always the case and what is coming next. So let's talk a little bit about sort of where you're seeing your company going next and, and what your strategy has been. Obviously, you've made some pivots from having discussions with your investors and, and where are you seeing that going now? Yeah. So we're mostly suburban office people. Um, and when I got into that business 10 years ago, all my New York buddies called me a schmuck. <laughs> now they're asking me for a job. So <laughs> I don't know if this makes them smarter. I just been around long enough that I've seen cycles move now, but um, we're going to continue to invest in these secondary markets, suburban office, flex industrial, you know, I think given the portfolio has done really well, frankly, um, about two and a half million square feet. We're probably at around 93% rent collection. So that's pretty good. Now, new leases and lease renewals, it's all slow. And we've certainly had some tenants that have had some real issues. But generally speaking, I'm happy with how it's performed. Because remember, the first thing is capital preservation. So stress testing based on numbers that we saw in 08, the assets have done what we thought they would do and they've actually done better than I would have anticipated, frankly. Long-term, you know, what does that mean for office? I do not believe there's going to be a secular move away from office like there has been in retail. I do. I think the way that we use office is going to change hundred percent. So we're not focused any deal that we see that requires a value add component or a lease up play and it's more of a traditional office type of product, we're just not gonna to touch that right now. So we're looking at more essential services, medical arts, more of that flex product, industrial obviously. But we also have to be realistic that, you know, we're, my cost of capital is what it is. I'm not an institutional LP. I can't buy a new construction Amazon warehouse at a four cap. 
because I don't, that's just not going to work for my investor base. So we've got to find a middle ground there. And interestingly, I've been getting more and more phone calls from my investors. They want to hear about the deals and how my real estate portfolio is doing. But I think just given everything going on, they just want somebody to talk to about what they're experiencing. And, and I think to go to our earlier conversation that it might've been pre the recording, but I get a lot of inbounds about how to work with family offices and that kind of thing. And I think the first step is understanding that these individuals and families, they have the same problems and issues that all of us do. They're as crazy as we are. They have a lot more zeros behind their, their bank accounts but being empathetic with the fact that they are facing some hard choices here and challenges here is the, is the first step into establishing that relationship. So right now it's just being a resource for them. Like it doesn't have to do with, it might have to do with real estate. It might have to do with finance, but what can I do to help? You know, mm-hmm. I've got a great network. I want to leverage that network to help you. And I think that's the majority of the conversations we're having right now. And, and people are all facing the same challenges. Stock market seems like it's overvalued. People are really concerned about the election coming up and what it means for volatility. They're worried about inflation. They can't get yield anywhere, quality income. So it's helping them try to solve for that. I think that's the best thing that any of us can do from a manager perspective right now. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from the show, this incredibly mind expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come, first serve, and demand high-touch, one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. 
We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. And I mean, I think the theme of our conversation thus far has been empathy. You know, we really kind of started with empathy with, with yourself and then empathy with others and, and having some compassion with how you approach, you know, anybody in your life. And, you know, another thing that I, I would imagine that you've had to approach with empathy is, you know, the occupants of your, of your assets as well. And, and we won't get into that, but I, I just wanted to at least touch on that because I know that you guys have had to be very empathetic to the challenges challenges that everyone is facing. And, you know, life is full of challenges. And I think we can look at challenges as opportunities to be empathetic and to create, you know, a new opportunity in the future. So I I just think that's a valuable uh, perspective to have. But one thing just with your experience working with family offices, one thing I'd be fascinated to know is, you know, how do the best of the best family offices approach protecting and growing generational wealth? And how can the average you know, call it a, an individual who's, you know, an accredited investor and they're growing sort of their own financial capacity. How can they apply these learnings themselves? Is there anything you'd point to? Yeah, it's a great question. And what I tell people all the time is I know plenty of individuals and families that would qualify from a dollar figure, but they don't want to operate as a family office. So it's not really an accredited investor test where, oh, if you have X amount of assets, you're going to be a family office. It's a mindset. And that's really important to understand. It's, it is a multi-generational corpus of assets meant to maintain a quality of life across a long time horizon. So if you, if you take that comment and you abstract it, anyone can have that mindset. You can have a hundred dollars and have that mindset, right? So fundamentally what you're trying to do is you're trying to take your spend rate, which is like your overhead, what it costs to maintain your quality of life. And you can, you can set your quality of life where you want it to be, right? So if this is how you want to live and it costs 4% of your, your assets to live that way, okay, we're dealing with 4%. Tack on 2% of inflation, plus the exponential growth of your family, most likely you're going to have kids and your kids will have kids. And we have a tendency to keep growing as humans. (laughs) And so if you're, if you're realistic with that, then your asset allocation will be dictated to solving for that general average return on an annual basis. And that will dictate your asset allocation, your risk appetite and your spend rate. That's what we're dealing with here. So the best ones that I know, it's not about the money. It's about the culture and the story. Because when it's just about the money, you will fail. Shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations is a real thing. So the ones that go back to the origination story of how the business got started, because if you look at the numbers, starting a business in America is brutal. The numbers are not good. And then you think about a business that lasts multiple generations. You're talking about the 1% of the 1%. So there's got to be some secret sauce and something special there. And so the families that I know that deal the best with it, they have this long-term shared value proposition of where the family is going, but they're constantly readjusting the near-term goals to make sure they're going to meet that long-term plan. Mm. 
So they're living in the moment, but they're also thinking two, three generations down the line. And it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. That is amazing. And if it was hard, everyone would do it, obviously. And that's not happening. But I think there's so much value in just the multi-generational mindset that you just described. And, you know, developing that culture and that story, um, you know, that you can really, you know, set that vision, set the intention for that vision and make it happen. I mean, many of the listeners who are listening today may have just had a, a seed planted that they can create their own family office. They can create their own culture and their own story. And I, f- I find that to be super inspiring and super, you know, amazing that you gave us that insight. So thank you for that. And um, Brian, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. This has been an absolutely outstanding conversation. Uh, But this is all about the rare air questionnaire. This is about being uncommon. You know, this is about identifying, you know, how, how can you be more empathetic and compassionate with yourself and understanding that perhaps you have a hyperachiever within you that wants to identify itself as you. And perhaps there are other ways that you can invest in yourself to recognize that there are more fulfilling ways to approach your life, your business, and to offer value to other people. But I'd love to know just a few things from you, Brian, here. Uh, you know, what would you, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read, uh, what would those be and why? Yeah, so um, To Sell is Human, Thomas Pink, um, Give and Take by Adam Grant. And then um, my first year law school, Real Property 101. Um, to understand that the essentially the entire world credit um, infrastructure is based on the ability to borrow money against real estate. I did not really have an appreciation for that when I was 22 or whatever, when I was in 1L in law school, but it's pretty mind shattering when you think about it. And when you visit countries that don't allow for individuals to own real estate and you see how their financial ecosystem works or doesn't work, you can point to that in my opinion. Wow. So real property 101? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's property is like one of the base classes you take and, Mm -hmm. you know, but that was like the first thing that my property professor told me. He's an old guy, super Boston, had the accent and everything. And he was like, well, do your parents, did your parents have a mortgage? I was like, of course. Like, do you think there's a mortgage on this property we're sitting in now? Like, yeah. Well, how does that work? Well, I don't know. We kind of go from there and (laughs) it's still the fundamental underpinning of our entire financial system. And when you go to places that like in the third world where, you know, you can only have a a 20 year lease, maybe a 99 year lease, but you're always worried it's going to get nationalized. There's no, there's no confidence. Right. And then it just, it's inhibitive to having a robust economy. Mm. So I think sometimes we just take it for granted, but it's important. Yeah. yeah, no, that's huge. And I think it's, it just brings up another thought for me is that there's always so many things for us to be grateful for. Um, you know, just living in a country that we have the capacity to, you know, increase our own financial intelligence, our own spiritual intelligence, our own capacity to be able to create these things within our own lives and to be able to have a vision for what culture we're looking to create for our family and other people around us, um, you know, through a vehicle like real estate. So that's a great reminder for all of us is that perhaps maybe we take a moment to, to expand some gratitude for that. So thank you for that. And um, we'll put links in the show notes 
for all those books there. And so the listeners can look those up, but Brian, I'd love to know what are the, what's the, um, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of what we've already talked about today? Yeah. Um, spending time outside meditation, kind of self-reflection, uh, I don't do it often enough or for long enough, but I try to get five or 10 minutes in a day and then exercise, um, which has been a bit of a challenge in COVID, but I still have a lot of opportunities to do that. So those are three things that kind of anchor me um, that I have to be consistent about. Otherwise the business part of my life can take over everything and it can crowd the mind. And then on the weekends, I really try to, to have some zero screen time in my life. I think that's really important. Um, so those are probably a lot of different things, but th- that's how I think about it. Yeah, no, that's important. And I've found, I've found, I've observed myself needing more no screen time uh, in my life. And, and I, I think I need more of it. So thank you for the reminder there. But I'd be curious, I mean, if you're talking about from, from a meditation standpoint, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when you meditate, you know, you're thinking about things you need to do in business half the time, or maybe even 95% of the time. So what does your meditation practice look like? And, and how, how do you approach that? Yeah, so I try to carve out some time in the morning before the kids are up. Um, sometimes I do it with an app based program that kind of guides me. Other times it's just my quiet coffee time, but yeah, I'm like you, if I can get 10% of it to actually be quiet and not have the voice in my head, thinking about all the things I need to do today or should do today. Um, it's, I'm pretty impressed with myself, frankly, but, um, the other big thing that I've been doing recently, that's been a real, um, um, just kind of interesting is uh, pre-COVID, I was the kind of guy that I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning, I'd go to the gym at five and grind it out. And during this time, I've actually been more focused on getting sleep, like eight or nine hours, sometimes 10 hours. And I feel so much better. And I feel like I'm much more productive and engaged and able to, to really put my time in that um, I'm not sure I'll, I'll go back, frankly. I mean, I'm sure there'll be times where I have to, but, um, and I've been learning a lot more about kind of the power of sleep. The power of breathing is something that I've been learning a lot about as well. So those are some newer things that I've been incorporating into my life that have made a really, really big impact. I love your growth mindset and the recognition that perhaps what, what worked for you in the past may or may not, you know, be appropriate for you in your future. And I think that's something that everybody can learn from and recognize that, Hey, just because I've done this for years, doesn't mean that this has to be what I continue to do forward. And, and as you learn more and yeah, I've, I'm with you. It's like when I have more sleep and when I have better sleep, better quality sleep, it's amazing. The transformation that I can show up, you know, in, in a better capacity, I can be happier. I can be more fulfilled. I can make better decisions decisions and have a, you know, more clear conversation with someone like yourself. So I just think there's so much power into that and everything else that you're talking about. So thank you for all of that and highly recommend, you know, re-listening to that section specifically to see what can you apply in your own life. And Brian, I'd love to know, you know, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you outside of what we've already talked about today? Yeah, I think going back to what we talked about earlier, which is being as open book as possible. Like I've been listening to and reading a lot of Brene Brown and she talks about how clear is kind. And so I think just being ultra transparent with how you can be helpful and also just importantly, 
hey, I can't help you here, but here's our four people that can. And so just every conversation, interaction I have with people, be it an hour long conversation like this one or a five minute phone call, I just go into it saying, man, I really want to help this person. Like, and my business partner is Indian and within that kind of Indian culture, even when you have a hard conversation with somebody, you approach that conversation with projecting onto this person the best version of what you think they could be and treating them accordingly. And I think that's a really important mindset to have, especially when people are anxious and scared, like nervous, there's a lot going on in the world. And you don't know what the rest of their day has been like. They may have had just a brutal day. And so to the extent that you can just impart on them, like, I know I'm catching you at a bad time right now. I have full faith that you are a much better person than this. And I'm going to treat you like that. I think that's been a big change for me as well. So that's one of the things that I try to do is be above and beyond helpful because I think it always comes back. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate the, the, you know, the energy that you bring to your presence and the vibration as corny as it sounds that, that you sort of emanate. Um, you know, I, I just appreciate everything that, that you are and, and continue to do what you're doing. Thank you so much for adding so much value today. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation today? Man, I mean, we've gone pretty deep. We barely talked about real estate, which is terrific, I think. Um, one of the things that I've been reflecting on a lot that I found really helpful as, you know, the news continues just to be worse and worse and it, it can feel like there's never ending um, kind of downward spiral and it can cause a lot of anxiety, I think, is understanding that, and then again, to go back to Deepak Chopra, he talks about this. Every moment of your life is the death of a piece of reality, but also the rebirth of a new reality. So this conversation we've had it's been a series of deaths, but also births. Hmm. And so I think being present and understanding that to use a cliche, like the journey is the destination and to, to realize that this is a time that will pass, but there'll be a new time and you just need to try to appreciate the time that you're in. I think it's probably one of the most helpful things for me as I deal with my kind of <laughs> near daily uh, anxiety, but also my existential anxiety about where this journey is all taking us. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, I know that we could just continue this conversation, honestly, for hours and hours and hours. And maybe we'll have a round two at a certain point in time. And we'll continue to dive into, you know, such the depth of the conversation that we had today. And I, I've appreciated it vastly. And I know the listeners have too. So uh, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do and engage with you further. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. So you can check out the website, excelsiorgp.com. We have a newsletter and all kinds of stuff if you want to learn um, about what we do and who we are. We have a lot of resources, even if you just want to check out blog pieces and webinars and podcasts that we've been doing. And then I'm super active on LinkedIn. So you can DM me directly. Um, I'll, I'm happy to talk about anything that you want. Um, so you can tell that you know, I spent a lot of time doing non-real estate stuff. So if you want to talk about spiritual growth, I'm happy to do it. But um, yeah, you can connect me on LinkedIn. I'm a pretty prolific poster. Uh, so you can check out some of my propaganda that I threw up there. But <laughs> yeah, always happy to talk. 
Well, thanks for filling in the propaganda here as well. Uh, super, super enjoyed this conversation. And I just know that there's so much value in that. And so I, I look forward to continuing the conversation with you personally. And I encourage the listener to do the same. You know, we'll put links in the show notes of how you can reach Brian and how you can learn more about his company and how you can connect with him on LinkedIn and all these different places. So you'll definitely want to take me up on that offer to engage with Brian. But I also want to encourage you to, you know, distill your top three key distinctions from the show. What are your takeaways that you can then share with someone else? What can you do to have the abundance mindset and pay it forward? You know, one of the easy ways to do that is obviously to take a screenshot of this show, whether you're on your your phone, your computer, wherever, and send that to someone else. You can even text that. Or you can tag somebody on social media. Be, be sure to tag Brian, tag Elevate Podcast, tag myself, if you so feel so inclined to do that. But, you know, I encourage you to pay it forward and be the teacher because ultimately, you know, the teacher learns the most. And at the end of the day, it is about repetition. So listen to the show again and understand that you're going to get new distinctions and there's going to be new things that you can take action on. And that's the key word for everything is about taking action. What can you do to apply the discussion today and what you learn? Because knowledge is only potential power. At the end of the day, action, real action is power. And so with all that said, Brian, I just want to thank you so much again for being on the show. Yeah, man. It was an awesome conversation. Anytime. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.